0: Now, I'm about to say something, and what I'm about to say is not an apology, it's an explanation, okay? (laughs) But occasionally, um, something happens, and God just changes my direction on on sermons, okay? So I'm not apologizing, Uh, I'm just trying to explain that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, Recently, a pastor friend of mine, just in passing, made reference to an obscure verse and I started thinking about it and meditating on it and, and I don't even know why. It just I couldn't get away from it. Does, it, does that make sense? Uh, I just couldn't get away from it. And when we read this verse, you're going to go, huh? <laughs> okay, that's how obscure it is. But God used it, and I could not get away from it. So um, here's the sermon. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I I trust it'll be a blessing to you. It was an incredible blessing to me as I studied and and meditated on it, and God's started working in my heart about it. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I have found out of uh, since being a pastor now for almost 10 years, is people like to hold on to their problems. <laughs> She's about to fall on the floor laughing. Um, <clears throat> am I right? Yeah, yeah. And we all do it, do we not? That That is the stupidest thing that we can do. Why is it, well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. The Bible very clearly in multiple places tells us to give our problems to God. In fact, I'm going to read a few of these very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So how much of your problems does God want you to cast? All of them. Psalm chapter, oh, and by the way, is this a suggestion? No. No. What is it? It's a command. Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. Cast, again, another command. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalm chapter 57, verse 5. Again, commit, another command. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, another command. Uh, and He shall bring it to pass. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What, she, what, what ye shall eat. Uh, well, let me back up here. Uh, again, another command. Okay, just saying. <clears throat> what you shall eat or what you what you shall drink nor uh, yet for your body what shall you, what what you shall put on is not life more than me than body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? <clears throat> Why in the world, why in the world does God command us or let me rephrase it, why does He have to command us to give our burdens to him? Because we like to hold on to stuff. We like to, we like to hold on to stuff. And in fact, <clears throat> God commands us because we like ulcers. You know, we 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 like going to the doctor and saying, "Hey, give me an antidepressant." You know, we we I I mean, now now I can say this because we're all guilty of it, even me. I I do I do the same thing. That's stupid. Just saying. Why why would we cause ourselves physical harm on purpose it makes no sense but we all do it when we hold on to problems it prevents us from the ability to move to move on when we hold on we don't move on let let me let me say that again when we hold on we do not move on okay now let's all say it together okay ready when we hold on we do not move on one more time when we hold on we do not move on now would everybody agree with that yes <laughs> when my pastor friend just it, it, I mean it was literally in, in passing it, it, you know it wasn't like he came to me and said hey you need to read this verse you need to study it and blah 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 it was just in whew, passing but see that's how God works sometimes Let's read the verse well actually well it's it's one verse but <clears throat> Let's read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Now, let, let's stop there for a second. Wh- who, who, is, who is writing Deuteronomy chapter 2? Moses. Moses is. Wh- who is the they that he's referring to? Okay, the children of Israel. And what were they doing? They're wandering in the wilderness. Okay, so you get the context of what's going on here. <clears throat> As the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, and this is the verse, verse 3: ye have compassed this mountain long enough, turn ye northward. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so very thankful for the Word of God. I am thankful that every word in this book is here for a reason. And I am so very thankful for your patience and your love for me and for each of us in this room. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, is that an obscure verse or what? Ye have compassed the mountain long enough. Now turn northward. What's he saying? You know what? You've you've chased your tail long enough. What what was happening in the lives of the children of Israel? They had they had gone to the to the <clears throat> Jordan River. God said, uh, it's time to go into the the promised land. They sent spies into the land. Ten of the spies came back with a a false report, uh, a bunch of lies. And two came back saying, hey, we can do this. And and it discouraged the hearts of the people. And they said, it's too great of an uh, 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 obstacle. We can't do it. And their faith in God diminished. But what had they been through? They had been through the, the crossing of the Red Sea and the, the ten plagues in Egypt and the feeding of the manna and, and all, of, all of this stuff and the, the water from the rock and, and miracle after miracle after miracle and they got to the Red Sea or to the, to the Jordan River and they said, God's not big enough. And doubt set in. And God said, Okay. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And God brings them to the Mount Seir. And they went round and round and round and round and round. And finally he said, okay, you've gone in circles long enough. Now go ye northward. Do you know what was north? The promised land. And so often we get stuck in that cycle of just going round and round and round. And God has to shake us up sometimes and say, you know what, quit going in circles. Head north. Go northward. <clears throat> Turn ye northward. As I <clears throat> contemplated this idea of letting go and going north. My heart or my thoughts <clears throat> started thinking about what, what, is the, what, what are some things that cause us to get into that cycle, if you would. And the very the very first thing that I thought of, well, the very first characteristic that I thought of is bitterness. When we allow bitterness into our lives, bitterness causes us to start circling, does it not? I have seen bitterness absolutely destroy people. I mean... Physically, mentally, spirit I mean, all of the above absolutely destroy people, and in the process of destroying a person, it has destroyed families. I have seen it over and over and over. Bitterness is an incredibly contagious, divisive tool of Satan in our lives. Bitterness starts with the statement, I deserve. I deserve to have whatever. I deserve to be able to do whatever. I deserve respect. I deserve, and the list can go on and on and on. But you know, the Bible character that I think of, when I, when I think of bitterness, do you, anybody want to take a guess who I think of? Well, good guess, but no. <laughs> Daniel. And the look on Lori's face is like, wait a minute, <laughs> Daniel wasn't bitter. That's my whole point. <laughs> well, it it, it it is kind of, but but it, if, and this is a big if, capital I, capital F, if anybody who has ever lived had the right, and he didn't, but if he had the right to be bitter, it would have been Daniel or Joseph, either one. I, I tend to think of Daniel. I'm the pastor. I get to pick him. Okay. <laughs> okay, there there are a couple there are a couple in scripture, but to me I I don't know why I just always default to Daniel. Daniel was carried away captive as a young boy, probably 12, 13 years old. He was made to be a eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, see me later, I'll explain it to you. If you're a female, my wife will explain it to you. <clears throat> Uh, forced to serve a pagan king, uh, framed for doing the right thing, thrown into a den of lions, slandered, and we can go on and on and on. So if there's ever been, we'll agree that it would be Joseph and Daniel. Okay, I'll give you that. Yet his life, Daniel's life, and Joseph's life, if you wanted to do that. Daniel's life was full of blessings and peace. Wait a minute, Pastor. You just, you just read off a list of things, horrible things that happened to a guy for no reason, no, no fault of his own. If, again, if anybody had the right to be bitter, it would have been him. Yet he wasn't bitter. And his life was full of blessings and peace. I want to read you kind of a lengthy portion of Daniel's life because I think it helps put in context what I'm trying to say. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 19 and following, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste. Unto the lion, to the den of lions. Oh, and let me let me stop right here. It is not a lion. It's not a single lion in in a den. Okay, it's plural. Okay, and there were probably a, at least a half dozen lions in in the den. Okay, just just saying. That cough drop didn't work. <laughs> <clears throat> and he cried with a lament, uh, with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually. Get the word continually. In other words, through all of the hard times Daniel served the Lord. He didn't stop. His Serving the Lord was not contingent on his circumstances. Okay, where did I go? Uh, Serve the Lord, continually, Able to deliver thee from the lions. Again, plural. Uh, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Can you imagine that poor king? His heart probably stopped when he heard Daniel's voice. My God has sent His angel, and has shut the uh, the, the, the the lions' mouths, <clears throat> that they uh, have not hurt me. For as much uh, as before Him uh, innocently was found uh, in me, and also before Thee, O King, have I done no hurt. Then the king, exceedingly glad uh, for him, and commanded. That he should be taken, uh, that 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 they they should uh, take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up uh, from the den, <clears throat> and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Now, why did Daniel survive the night in the den of lions? Because he believed God could do it. You know I, I'm not an artist. Sometimes I wish I could. I think it'd be cool. I would love to draw a picture of Daniel and that and and with him with his head resting uh, against one of the lions as a pillow. i just I mean I just that's how I picture Daniel down there. He wasn't in a corner, sh- shivering in fear. <clears throat> because he believed in his God. And the king commanded. And they brought those men which had accused Daniel and cast them into the den of lions. Them and their children and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them. So there were enough lions in there to take care of a lot of people. And break all their bones in pieces or even... Uh, uh, they came at at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Now, who, who did Darius write to? Everybody who was alive. This is what he said. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men trembled and feared because the God of Daniel, for He is the living God and uh, steadfast forever. And His kingdom, that which shall uh, not be destroyed, and His dominion shall be ever unto the end, Uh, He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, whom who uh, hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel, get this, prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now let me ask you a question. A minute ago, I made the statement, and I believe it to be true, that if anybody that has ever lived had the right to be bitter, it was Daniel. But he did not allow bitterness to control his life. And because of that, the name of God was lifted up among the entire population of the world. And he prospered. So, what is the flip side of the coin? Had Daniel, humanly speaking, and rightfully rightfully humanly speaking, said, I'm going to be bitter. What would have happened? <laughs> yeah, he, he'd have been breakfast, baby. <clears throat> the word would have not gone out. He would have died a miserable, unknown, unhappy, person. See, that's what bitterness can do to us. When we allow bitterness to come into our lives, it will destroy us. You say, but pastor, I have the right to be bitter. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, an answer to that. No, you don't. No, you don't. well I, let, let me rephrase that you do have a right if you want to live a miserable life. you can be better. I don't know anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, "You know what man I, w- I want today to be absolutely horrible i want I want everything to go wrong. How many people wake up like that the NSA. <laughs> I want to give you, well, the title of my message is Time to Move On. I should have already given you that. Uh, it's Time to Move On. <clears throat> or if you want it, it's time to go north. I don't care how you, it's just time to move on. I want to give you three three prob the three, three problems of bitterness. Number one, you'll have no peace. You'll have no peace. I- I'm here to tell you this morning. If you this morning are struggling with peace in your life, then you need to look deep in your heart for bitterness. Daniel had every reason to be bitter, but he wasn't. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness without <clears throat> which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any get this root of bitterness springing up, trouble you, and therefore, or thereby, many be defiled. What is a root? Can you see a root? Just a moment ago I said if you if you were struggling with peace in your life, you need to look down deep inside for any excuse me, any bitterness. Why? Because you can't always see it, but it's there and it's growing. And the longer it grows, the stronger it gets. Have, have, have you, have, have, do y'all know what kudzu is? Okay. If you've ever lived in the south, you know what kudzu is. I should have I should have gotten a picture of it. I didn't even think about it till just now. But kudzu when it grows, it covers everything. I I have seen kudzu totally engulf houses. And you can spray it with Roundup and it laughs at you. It's like it's like feeding it. You know, it's like it's like, "Oh, thank you." You know, Kudzu, it's, it's almost impossible to kill kudzu. Do you know how to... You, anybody know how you kill kudzu? No, burning it doesn't... It, 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 it grows right back. I mean, it, you can burn it and it'll go away, but it'll come right back. You've got to get it by the roots. And do you know what happens if you leave just the smallest bit of root? It's like it, you never did anything. It comes back with a vengeance Remember that guy put in his father-in-law's field it it, it could have been yeah I you know <clears throat> you. and then he ended up marrying that guy's yeah. daughter and yeah 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 probably but see that's what that's the, kudzu is an incredible picture of what bitterness can do in our lives Daniel learned somehow some way to accept the trials that came into his life instead of cursing them I want to talk about for just a minute the byproducts of bitterness we see them in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 it says let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I want to take a look at these words and, and, and hopefully paint a picture of what the root of bitterness does in our lives. The first word I want to look at, obviously we, we've, we we're looking at the word bitterness. The next word here uh, would be wrath. Wrath means to boil up and then subside. So, so what what does bitterness do? Bitterness brings into our lives the wrath is the next step. And wrath is when we we get angry and then we, okay, oh, okay, we're I'm good. That actually happened to me yesterday. i w- <laughs> I was doing some work at the house, and I had to I had to pull the toilet out of the uh, out of the, the the bathroom upstairs in our house. and <clears throat> I, t- I put it in, I put it back in and everything that can go wrong with the toilet went wrong. And I just sat there, and I went, Oops. That's That's what wrath is. What's the next step? Anger. What is anger? Anger literally means to boil over. That's when you pick up the toilet and throw it through the window. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> no, seriously. But that's, that's what, so do you see the progression? Bitterness starts, uh, that, that, or goes to wrath, then it goes to anger when we boil over. Then the word clamor literally means to cry out or, or to shout. Or when it progresses to where you start yelling. We all are familiar with that, are we not? You see the progression? And then evil speaking. Evil speaking is an interesting word. i have I have a Greek the Greek for you here. Uh, <coughs> uh, blasphemia. That's the Greek word that is translated evil speaking. Now you can go back to the verse. <coughs> so what is blasphemia? Or evil speaking, it is slander, injurious to another's good name. So what happens in the progression of, of bitterness? We have wrath, anger. We start yelling and screaming at people. And then we start blaspheming the good names of people around us. Why do we do that? Well, if we can tear down other people, it makes us feel better about ourselves. And it justifies our wicked actions. Evil speaking. And then there's an interesting word here, malice. What is malice? Well, malice literally means ill will or a desire to injure. So when bitterness runs its course, we get angry, starts to boil, and we subside. Then it then it boils over. Then we start yelling and screaming at people. Then we start saying things that we regret. Then we wish ill will on people, and even can turn into violence. That's what bitterness will do to each and every one of us. But it goes on. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31, but then let's read verse 32 also. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word kind here means to be considerate or benevolent. So God wants us to be kind to everybody. Would that include people who have been not so kind to us? Absolutely. Tenderhearted literally means... Now get this, because this is another interesting word here. The word tenderhearted literally means... <clears throat> to have strong or healthy bowels. That, that's what the word literally means. And you think, wait a minute, what? What, what are you talking about? Well, back then they believed, let, let, me, let me check my notes here to make sure I get this right, that emotions and intent, intentions came from within. okay that our emotions and our our intentions and everything good about us c- came from within. So when it says tender-hearted, what it's saying is is that your 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 emotions and that your intentions be strong and healthy. So when it when we are to be tender-hearted, does that mean we're supposed to be cowardly and 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 just kind of let people run over us? That's not what it's talking about. But it is to, it is that we are to be intentional and strong in our intentions and our emotions towards people. We are are to purpose, if you would, to do right, tenderhearted. And then the word forgiving. This is the word, when somebody is consumed with bitterness, this is the word that they do not want to talk about. Forgiving literally means <clears throat> to cancel a debt or even to pardon. I know this is never going to happen. I guess, well, I should say never because it is possible, but it's never going to happen. Yeah. But, but what would happen <clears throat> if the bank called us, my wife and I, Tomorrow? and said, you know what, we're canceling the debt that you owe us on your house. It's done. I know. Like I said, it ain't happening. But if it did happen, how much would we owe them? Nothing. Zero. Would the bank... Six years later, down the road, come back and say, hey, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna reverse that." And 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 and, and no, I I have a paper here that says that I'm paid in full. You can't reverse it. And see, when we forgive, that's literally what we're doing. We're putting it away. We're we're pardoning, if you would. We're forgiving a debt. Now. Do my wife and I owe the bank the money for our house? Yes, we owe it. But if they forgive the debt, it is as if we paid the debt. <clears throat> and you would be sitting, and there are people sitting here right now this morning, and you're saying in your hearts, Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. That is true. And humanly speaking, they may owe you something, but God says to forgive. God says to forgive. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Friday, I go out to Lovelock. I go out there once a month. Most of you know that. And I am going, hopefully, to be getting some good news. There's a man that I've been, since I've been going out there, I've, I've known him since I've been going out there. One of the sweetest Christian men I've ever known in my life. He is in prison. He has been in prison for over 20 years. He's never seen his own son. His wife was pregnant when he went to prison. For something he never did. His his case two weeks ago was argued in front of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But but seriously, uh, everybody is lawyer. Everybody believes he's going to be exonerated. But I could tell you this: I know him well enough that if the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said no, you deserve to stay in prison. That man would still be one of the sweetest Christian men I've ever known. Because his, his happiness is not tied to where he lives. My hope is in Jesus. Amen. If he were here this morning, that is exactly what he would tell you and 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 I'm I'm here to tell you because I, I, I get a lot of people who, oh, you can't believe inmates and all. that's garbage. He is one of the sweetest Christian men I've ever known. Three problems with bitterness. Number one, you have no peace. Number two, <clears throat> you will have no answered prayer. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither uh, His ear heavy that He cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins uh, have hid His face from you that He will not hear you. Psalm chapter 66 verse 18, I uh, excuse me, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The word iniquity here is a is a really, really interesting word. <clears throat> excuse me. My understanding, okay, well, the, okay, the, the word iniquity literally means to to look at or to inspect, okay? It doesn't mean to glance at. It means to look at, and inspect. So you you pick it up, you look at it. Every page you inspect every page. That's what it's talking about. So, if we inspect iniquity, what does that mean? If we allow iniquity to be such a part of our lives, not that we just glance at it, but that we inspect it, what are we going to find? Uh, But also, my understanding is, in, in the Latin word for regard is where we get our English word, video. Why do we video things? So that we can replay them over and over and over. You get what God's saying here? If we regard iniquity if we allow the sin of iniquity to play over and over and over in our minds, what happens? We start to believe it. And we become bitter. And when we become bitter, God does not hear our prayers. Bitterness is a trap. We need to stop circling the mountain. And we need to head north to the promised land. We need to put bitterness away. We need, and, and it may not be bitterness in your life. It may be something else going on in your life. It's time to put it away and head north. It's time to let God and give it to God and say, you know what? I'm tired of it. I don't want it anymore. You can have it. But I'm going north to the promised land. John chapter 15, verses 5 through 7 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me he cast forth uh, he is cast forth as a branch and and it withereth and man gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned if ye abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you so how do we get our prayers answered? By walking with God. Not allowing that root of bitterness to take hold in our lives and destroy us. Letting it turn into anger, which eventually turns into malice where we want to hurt someone. Because that is exactly what happens. It's time to stop circling the mountain and let's get a grip and let's, let's head north. I read a story recently about JARS. I don't know if any of you know what JARS is. It it stands, it's J A A R S. It stands for Jungle Aviation and Radio Service. JARS had flown thousands of hours over a 25 year span without one fatal accident before April 7th, 1972. On that day, a Piper uh, Aztec lost its right engine and crashed in Papua New Guinea, killing all seven people on board. The Aztec had just rolled out of the Wycliffe uh, maintenance hangar uh, the day before following a 100-hour inspection. The chief mechanic was stunned when he heard the news of the crash. Reviewing in his mind each step that he had performed the inspection, on the right engine he suddenly recoiled in horror he remembered that he had been in, uh, uh, interrupted while tightening the fuel line uh, and and had not returned to finish the job the faulty connection had allowed raw fuel to spray on uh, to spray out and catch fire while the aztec was in flight the mechanic's guilt being responsible for the death of his companions just crushed him. For days, he did not know what to do. The other mechanics tried to help him, as, as did his own family. But when the family of Doug Hunt, the pilot who was killed in the accident, was preparing to return home to, uh, in New Zealand, the mechanic knew he had to see them, talk with them, beg them for their forgiveness. He couldn't barely he, he could barely get out the words as he sobbed in their presence. At hand excuse me, he said, that hand there, looking at his right hand, took Doug's life. Glennis uh, Hunt, Doug's wife, embraced him. Glennis sat by him and held his hand and took his <clears throat> and took her uh, uh, that that held the hand that took her husband's life. And later he wrote, another Jars Pilate sat on the other side with a demonstration of love, comfort, and forgiveness. That was the most significant step in the healing process. Did that mother and wife have the right to be bitter? She chose forgiveness. It's time to move on. Number one, you'll have no peace. Number two, you'll have no answer prayer. and then number three, you'll open the door for Satan. Amen. Ephesians <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Got another Greek word for you. Hello? There we go. <laughs> <clears throat> this is the Greek word Uh, for that is translated place is topos what english word do you think we get from that topography topos literally means territory so what is what is paul telling us here in ephesians chapter 4 when we allow anger to rule our lives we allow satan to take over territory in our lives And guess what happens when he takes over territory in our lives? He plants kudzu. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Good picture, huh? Everybody that doesn't know what kudzu is, you're going to go home and Google kudzu. Okay? I want you to do that. The stuff is horrible. It is good for nothing. Literally, it's good for nothing. But to destroy and that's exactly what Satan does. When we open the door, and we open the door with bitterness, we allow Satan to take over territory in our hearts. James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We need... To stop circling the mountain, and we need to head northward. Amen. Colossians chapter three verses twelve to thirteen. Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Bowels of mercy. There's that idea of strong, uh, strong bowels again. Kindness, humbleness of mind. Meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man hath quarrel against uh, any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days, and the Lord spake unto me, saying, ye have compassed this mountain long enough. You've toyed with bitterness long enough. You've allowed something in your life long enough. Turn ye northward. Recently, I, I believe that the reason why this v- obscure verse, verse 3, was shared with me was recently I had a conversation with somebody very, very close to me. In fact, I'll tell you, it was my wife. And she said, you know, Rick, she was referring to something, and she says, you need to let it go. You just need to let it go and move on. And it was just a day or two later that this verse was shared with me. Might have even been the same day now that I think about it. God was trying to remind me. Now, it wasn't bitterness, okay? I'm just telling you, it wasn't bitterness. But it was just something I was holding on to. And God, God, through my wife and through this other pastor, said, you know what, it's time to just let it go. Time to head north. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. We're told in verse 1 that those things that are hindering us, those things that are holding us back, we need to lay those things aside so that we can move on. <clears throat> this morning, my question, my challenge to you is this. What do you hold on to? Is it bitterness? I, I believe very, very, very possibly that someone here this morning is dealing with bitterness. You've allowed bitterness to take over in your life. And that is the thing that you're holding on to. That's the thing you're circling that mountain. And God is saying to you, let it go and head north. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But you say, you may say, no pastor, I'm not holding on to bitterness. I'm holding on to something You know what? It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go and it's time to head north. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the your for your-